Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Partner in the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkin. Say with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 10, Episode 5. And as always, we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, all, the, all that's out of the way. <laughs> well, then, there's no time to waste. What are we covering this week? We are continuing on right where we left off last week. So uh, tonight we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. And uh, I'll be reading from the NLT. All right. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Amen. All right. So let's kind of talk our way through this. This yeah. is some good stuff happening this week. This happens to be Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Yes. It's also Epiphany Sunday. Oh, interesting. This is one of those weird years where those two Sundays coincide. And so this year I've chosen to focus on baptism of the Lord rather than epiphany. Well, it's just because we're in John and it just happens to align. It really flows nicely. It does. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> All right. I'll read uh, verse 29 again. Oh, okay. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay. The next day, kind of... When did this happen? There's some confusion here in the chronology. This is the day after John's trial, when okay. he was down in the river baptizing, and the church sent temple authorities, temple guards, and uh, scribes, and then the Sanhedrin sent the Pharisees, and they all came down, and they put John on trial while he's standing there in the water. And, and last week, he sort of deflects their questions and goes, hey— did you know who's here today in the crowd? No, right. of course you don't. But let me tell you, there's someone who's really special. And he goes on to talk about Jesus. And so Jesus is there on the day of John the Baptist's trial. This is the day after the trial. Okay, so the day after the trial in the river. We are uh, we're going to talk about Jesus's baptism. But in the Gospel of John, and only in the Gospel of John, the baptism is a flashback and it takes place six to seven weeks after the baptism. We know from the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus goes down to the river. John argues with him about, I don't want to baptize you because you're perfect. You right. should baptize me. Jesus knows that this is necessary to anoint him as the Messiah. It's one of the responsibilities of the Elijah who will come before the end of time. Uh, so Jesus knows he needs this. John baptizes him. And then 
the other three Gospels say immediately Jesus left for the wilderness and spent 40 days being tempted by the devil. Right. That's just, just shy of six weeks. So we know he's gone for a minimum of six weeks before he returns, witnesses the trial, and then this flashback or this telling of the flashback takes place the day after the trial. Interesting. Yeah, I'm confused, but we'll get through it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now John makes a, a big proclamation here. He does. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What's that all about? There's a church word uh, that we love to use. It's called Christology. And, and what it means is names for the Messiah, names for Jesus. And there are there are probably almost a hundred different names for the Messiah or or for Jesus. Right. Um, I used to have a poster, and I think we yeah. used to have one hanging in the church yeah, a long, long that, time that had ago. Yeah, all the, all the names of Jesus, yeah. Son of God, right. Redeemer, Savior, Lamb of God. Right, is all those, one, is, all is those names Jesse's for Jesus. Jesse's root, or right. the, yeah, the root of Jesse. Something um, like that, yeah. And, and we rank order these based on how much divinity Jesus has versus how much humanity Jesus has in all of these titles. And then this rank ordering is called Christology. And so some books of the Bible are written with a very high Christology. Jesus is continually referred to as the Son of God, God, the only begotten, God incarnate, right? That's a very high Christology. And when John the Baptist pointed out Jesus on the day of the trial, he uses a high Christology. The Messiah is here in the crowd. From the rest of this time, though, John is going to drop to a very low Christology. Lamb of God is not real high up the list. There's as much humanity involved in that as there is deity because the Lamb of God is the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He gets murdered for the sins of of the the rest of the world. So John reverts to a very low Christology, and and we want to know, well, he obviously knows the higher titles. He used one yesterday. Why does he drop so far back today? There's still a crowd here, right? The people are still coming to be baptized, but these are the average Joe and and Jane. These are the the man and woman who, who have been told by the church, you're not going to heaven because you don't go to synagogue every Saturday, and you don't pay your temple tax, and God doesn't love people like you, so you're not going to heaven. John the Baptist has been telling them, God loves you as much as he loves anybody else, and today he introduces Jesus to this hurting, wounded, hopeful crowd as the Lamb of God. This is the one who can take away your sins. The the word for world there means everyone, including the unfavorable, undeserving, and and unwanted. And Ken. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the way John the Baptist is going to refer to Jesus when he's with the crowds from, from here on out. He's this is one who is capable of dying. He is he is as much man as he is God. He is all of both. And but because he is God, his sacrifice is going to save you. View him that way. Interesting. Okay, so he's kind of in on the messianic secret. He is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to say this is the Messiah. He's yeah. you know, cuz that was this is way too early, right? This is like day 1 of his ministry, so yeah. we're not going to let it out now, but <laughs> this is the guy that's going to come save you which is good news. Yeah. All right. Um, Moving on then to verse 30. 
He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Now, we kind of covered this before, didn't we? I feel like we've really beat this one. <laughs> Stop beating the dead horse. I mean, this goes back to the first, you know, five verses. Jesus is pre-incarnate. He was present at creation. Jesus is God and was there when everything, when time began. And and John the Baptist is, is hitting on that one more time for the common man and the common woman. Okay. <laughs> so then 31. I did not recognize him as Messiah, as the Messiah, but I have been baptized him with water so the, that he might be revealed to Israel. What's significant here? The NLT actually has a flaw Uh-oh. here. Uh, I went ahead and used NLT tonight rather than or NASB or one of those. What John says and what the text from the Apostle John says is not, I did not recognize him as Messiah. It just says, I did not recognize him. Until until the baptism. And that I did not recognize him in the Greek is really vague. John the Baptist and Jesus are related. Right. We don't know the true extent of their relationship. Right. We kind of say they're cousins, but we don't really know for a fact. Right. Because his mother, Mary, travels up and spends time with John the Baptist. Um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And they're described as cousins. Yeah. Relatives, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and 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 ancient Hebrew is really bad about familial identifications. It, it'll call call you son of someone if you're his great great grandson, right? So these family associations are 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 not well defined. We don't know precisely, but we do know that John the Baptist and Jesus are related somehow okay. through their mothers, both of them. They are uh, related as as family. And so there are some who view this text and say what John means is he didn't know Jesus was Jesus. So it was a complete shock to him later when he finds out, oh, he's family. I didn't even know it was him. They think that's what this text means. NLT has already gone in and inserted for us the identification that the majority of Greek scholars put in here. I didn't recognize him as the Messiah. Right. I knew it was my cousin, but I honestly didn't know my cousin was the Messiah until the moment of the baptism, when all of these these theophanies begin to take place, these manifestations of God. And so that's that's where the majority of scholars go, but there are some who who stick more to the no, I I just physically didn't recognize this dude. I thought he was just another poor dude coming down into the water to be baptized from his sin. How long ago had it been since they'd seen each other, right? We only know they they met, so to speak, in the womb yes. at that early yes. arrival of Mary and Elizabeth. That's the only time we're ever told that they've actually been in proximity to each other. John is, you know, sent off to the Essene yes. to be trained, what do you want to call it? And Jesus, you know, grows up as a, as a young Jewish boy until this moment. So he could... He may not have recognized his own cousin. There's people, <laughs> you be, might be surprised if you bumped into somebody you haven't seen in 30 years. 30 years, yeah. said, oh, I didn't know it was you. But yeah. John knew there was somebody in the crowd that was important, right? Because right? he talked about it last week during the trial. There's somebody in the crowd. But by that point, it was six weeks since right. the baptism. So he had had time to work all that out when he's okay. testifying to to the uh, to the church authorities. All right, then, verse 32. 
Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. Okay, so John actually sees the dove. Oh, he sees the Holy Spirit, and it, it's like a dove. We, we've talked about that before. It's, it may not be an actual dove. It's something that floats down right. kind of like a dove would. Right. And I saw it coming down from heaven and rest upon Jesus. Right. So, And he doesn't reference the, the voice here, but we're fairly certain that he hears God speak as well. This is my son, whom I love very much. And I'm well pleased, right? Yes. A lot of liberal seminaries these days are teaching that Jesus is the only one who saw or heard anything that day. If if you were in the crowd there that day, it was just another baptism. Hmm. And so Jesus is the only one who knows he's been anointed. And in fact, maybe Jesus just anointed himself. Maybe Jesus is just a really good man who had this this weird moment in the water because he wanted to be clean so bad and decided, I'm special. I am loved by God. I am anointed. I am the Messiah. And wow. there are those who, who claim that's what happened on the day of the baptism. Jesus just self-anointed and, and began this ministry. And thank heavens he was a really good guy because he did a lot of good before he died. Okay. <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> theory. But now, I would say just... I mean, it's not listed here, but in the other Gospels, the way God speaks, it doesn't sound like he's saying, hey, Jesus, you're really special. I kind of like you. <laughs> he's talking to a crowd of people. This is my son. He's telling the people, this is my son. I'm well pleased with him. I don't think that Jesus is the only one who heard him, just based on the text of the other Gospels. The and way God is speaking, I don't, I don't buy that argument. And this one makes it very clear then that John the Baptist absolutely saw and heard what happened that day. Because um, he's using it then as his proof that Jesus is the Messiah. I heard God say that. I saw the Holy Spirit when come John down. John testifies, he's like, I swear this is what happens. Yes, That's a testi that, exactly. testimony. I swear this is what I saw. Yeah. So what's really interesting and what a lot of people don't, don't think about is the Apostle John starts out as a disciple of John the Baptist. Hmm. So he was there that day as well. Okay, because I was trying to look that up. Who were the apostles under John the Baptist? And I know God, Andrew was one. Andrew is explicitly named. Um, and there's some disagreement about the other. And there's I've, disagreement I've about Philip. The I've seen. Yes. Yeah, I don't know who it is. Uh, the, uh, the, the sources that I went through this week all believed it's, it's the Apostle John. But you're right. That is not a 100% across the board acceptance. It makes it a lot more <clears throat> clear for John the Apostle to be telling what John said and witnessed those days because he was there. It makes it clear for me to understand how John is getting this information to report it in yes. his gospel personally. The, the, of course, nothing comes with dates or timestamps, no. <laughs> but we, we place the, the baptism of Jesus around the year 30 AD, uh, right. 27 to 30 AD, somewhere yes. in there. John's gospel is written somewhere around 90 AD. So about 60 years later, a lot of people want to know, how could he possibly remember what John the Baptist saw and said? 60, do you remember 60 years ago that clearly? Well, <laughs> no, I remember, I'm not that old, but <laughs> I remember some things. I remember True. where I was when the president 
was shot. I remember yep. where I was when the space shuttle exploded. So do I. I, I remember, remember where I was yeah. when the second space shuttle. I remember exactly what I was doing yeah. on 9-11. And for the Apostle John, who, we, who I believe is one of John the Baptist's disciples and was there in the water that day, he remembers exactly where he was. And well, yeah, I just saw said. a dove like, you know, thing coming down and alighting on the sky. And I heard God from the sky. Yes. I heard, I heard God <laughs> speaking from the sky saying, saying that this is my son. That would be a moment, I would have to admit. That would definitely be a moment worthy of memorizing. 60 years later, I'm still going to recall that yeah. in fine detail. So I'm not, I'm not too skeptical. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> I won't burn it up and say, but and I'm a believer, so it's hard to turn yeah. me away at this point. Yeah. But anyway, okay, 33 then. And 34, if you'll go ahead and combine those. Okay. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. 34. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Jesus, or, I'm sorry, John baptizing in the river wasn't just some crazy coot coming out of the scenes going nuts. God sent him and, and to do this. That's what it says. That's here. a really under-explained and underrepresented truth. We Agreed. tend to think of John as he comes out of this monastery, he's on fire to, to overthrow uh, the government. Overthrow the government. Get rid of yeah, the Jewish yeah. church. Yeah. And and he yeah, exactly. And he's just going to start off by baptizing Jews and he just decides to head on down there to the River Jordan and just start baptizing. No, apparently John had received this entire ministry from God. And one of the main purposes of all of these baptisms that he's doing, uh, along with convincing regular people that they can be saved, but one of the main things is Keep an eye out because one of them is going to be different. That's going to be the Messiah. And I need you down at the river doing these baptisms so you can find the Messiah. No wonder he could say, I, I'm here. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Right. Make straight the way from the Lord because God told me, come down here. God himself told me, come down here, stand in the river, baptize people, and you're going to know it when you see it. And people, I saw it. Right. <laughs> I saw it come down and land. This was one of the... One of the missions, if you will, of the Isaiah to come was to identify the Messiah. God sent him down there, go stand on the river, start baptizing people. And one of those people, this is why he was, I was just baptizing with water. And now all of a sudden, boom, here he is. There's the guy. I've seen it. Yeah. I heard it. <laughs> and we have this real tendency to to throw John the Baptist in there and go, well, he just, this was his niche. This was where he could, you know, make waves and, and cause trouble. No, he was, but he says there he was specifically sent by God, not just that day, but to that, because he didn't know when that day was going right. to be. So he was sent into that ministry by God himself. And that makes a little more sense to me, thinking back into, I think it's Luke, where we get the story of how John is born. Yeah. It kind of sets him aside. I mean, he's like a main character almost, right? In yeah. his own little story there. Yeah. Now, this is the pinnacle of his life story. Yes. But... Now you can see how God was moving back then, 30 years ago in our case. I need this guy, John. I'm going to make him special because his mother and father were supposed to be, you know, barren. They're too old to have kids. I set him aside and I put him in this weird Essene monastery and then sent him out to do this because that was the plan. Yes. From the beginning. From literal beginning. Literal beginning. Yeah. Very cool. 
Hey, that was a cool episode, man. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned a lot. That was pretty cool. All right. Anything else on this one? Nope. That's uh, we're taking small bites and then that's all we're going to cover tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you given a sermon title yet? Uh, because there's a lot of conflict about why is the language vague in the Greek and how could John the Apostle possibly remember that far back with any detail? Calling this one, I remember. Everidge Farm remembers. Outstanding. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. At the top of the menu called Ministries, click that, go down to Sermons, look for the sermon, I remember. And this will have been delivered on January 7th, 2024. New Year. New Year. Where are we going next week? Going to pick right up. Next week, Jesus starts calling disciples. Okay, there's some weirdness in there in that story as well, right? Yes, there is. Because <laughs> it's not all one, two, three. It's not all 12 listed right away. All right. So as we close out this episode, remember the famous words of Graham Norton, who once said, a good rule to remember for life is that when it comes to plastic surgery and sushi, never be attracted to a bargain. <laughs> And with that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky's sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible. 